A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello everybody, welcome to the What Culture Gaming Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Hilford, joined by James Douse. Hey, I'm first, Josh. And Josh Brown. Hello, James Douse. Second Hi, James Brown. James Douse only today. <laughs> Sorry, man. It's, it's not too bad. Uh, we will very quickly touch on The Last of Us because me and Josh did a little uh, reaction video on it and I was a little bit mixed slash I don't care, it's the cutscenes in live action. Josh is loving it, thinks it looks incredible, but I want to know what James Douse thinks. Uh, I'm on your side, Josh. Yes. I really oh. like the look of it. Uh, as I was saying to you beforehand, Scott, I yes. preferred... I was more interested by this than the seventy-pound remake. Oh, okay, okay. Well, because, yeah, there's a lot more. Well, new this stuff. is free, isn't it? I guess. <laughs> but yeah, no, it visually looks incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, seeing those two together, but him, you know, when he put his finger to his lips and did the sh- like, yes. that was he was Joel in that moment. Oh, I yeah, could yeah, believe yeah. that he is Joel. Yeah, that's a really yeah. good pick. I think that scene as well, and um, with the clicker in the middle. I'm hoping that's Neil Druckmann. I'm just hoping that's someone... As the clicker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Just, uh, I just I want it to be someone who's a creative mind mm. um, just getting to be a clicker and, and sort of slap against a window for a bit. The Walking Dead did that a few times mm. where they would just get, like, you know, cameo zombies. People, yeah, Scott Ian's yeah. in there. I don't know who... who you'll know from Anthrax. Who, uh, all those words did not make sense. The San Francisco with Flash Metal team. Uh, what oh. San Alongside Francisco? Megadeth Slayer and Metal Metallica? Who? Wow. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, the point stands that they got celebrities yeah. in if th- that person you just said is indeed a celebrity <laughs> yeah. and those bands that you mentioned do indeed exist. Yeah. Then you, uh, you got the time, mate? That'll be an example. Oh, what? Madhouse. What? what? None of this makes sense. Anthrax. I Another hope thing someone g- listening to this understands. All I'm these telling references. you, there's metal fans out there who are just thinking finally Anthrax is getting yeah. the uh, the reception, the exposure that they deserve. Oh yeah, well. because that's what we want to bring back. Anthrax. So it never went away. That, you talk as if they've not had new albums in the last few years. Doesn't sound very healthy. Doctors wouldn't agree. No, you're not wrong. Uh, doctors hate number seven, James. How, how many of our audience are? Who you just said then? What? Anthraxians. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know. I don't even. Well, I don't, to I, you two people out there, <laughs> I, you carry on, Josh. If Joey Belladonna himself is listening in the uh, in the podcast audience, then massive shout outs to him <laughs> and Mr. John Bush. But anyway, this is this is the most anyone's talked Mr. about Anthrax in true. 2022 or in quite some time. Now, I wanted to um, yes initially open on the Last of Us, but I thought we'd pivot into E3 stuff because I thought we'd do a bit of a news podcast. And one of the opening uh, stories is the return of E3 in 23 in 23 Whoa. in 2023. Um, and I just want to know where the hell we come down on this. I also want to spin this out into a conversation on how early do developers or should developers show their games because we had all the stuff around um, GTA 6 leaking and people seeing early versions of that game and the conversation around that of just, oh my God, it looks terrible. Oh my God, it doesn't look like it's complete. Obviously, from our point of view, I think a lot of people just went, yes, obviously there's a lot more ground to cover um, and that build itself was from a good few years ago. However, I just want to have that conversation about you know when do we want to know about something? James Dow's thoughts. I feel like, does it matter if E3 is not 
here anymore because we've got the I state had that written down. I was like, got, yeah. And they all happened. Well, I guess the state of play didn't happen in June this year, did it not? It did not. No, they, so it was only yeah. Xbox that was in June this year, wasn't it? Only Xbox. Yeah. And a very empty summer. So We if, did have summer games first. So if E3 comes back, is that saying that Nintendo and Sony and Microsoft all at the same time again? Well... When E3 was supposed to be going ahead, I think it was this year or last year, yeah. this year actually, yeah. Sony kind of already got out and said that they weren't going to be attending anyway. No. So that's the kind of the big question mark for me. Just because it's coming back doesn't mean it's going to be as strong as it used to be. Yeah. Is it going to be a situation where there's only Microsoft there out of the big three publishers yeah. because the others, either two just want to do their own thing? I don't see I don't see them coming back. I no. think that Sony and Nintendo, and Nintendo have laid down the template with a Nintendo's rack. That's very much what the state of play is. Yeah. Um, I feel like PlayStation have kind of started differentiating it a little bit. I mean, there was one point, I, remember, I forget which year it was, maybe it was a couple of years ago, where people were just literally comparing the transitions between trailers and the voiceover and the way that it looks uh, in terms of the state of play and just saying this is literally a direct like you are literally doing what Nintendo do and I feel like um, that's still quite similar for what the recent state of plays are but I think they've proven that they can do you know a God of War trailer or whatever and everyone talks about it they don't need to fork out the six figure sum just to have a, a stage at E3 they, well, they do a blog post yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey man why shall all those PSVR 2 fans figures. can't get enough <laughs> well, you can just do an interview with Wired again to announce the PlayStation <laughs> oh my 6 God. Just, uh, yeah. listen right Sony do not need E3 at no. all. No. They can do their own thing. They can do their own big showcases. They can do their state of players. However, I need Sony to need E3 right. because I have missed E3 so much mm -hmm. this year, my friends. The Summer Game Fest was good. As some, of the, some of the other reveals that we've had have been very exciting. The last Sony state of play was very good, mm. but I have been starved for showcases in this year. I just need... I need to have that kind of thing to bank and to look forward to yes. as a fan of video games. Speaking as someone who literally just consumes them and does not make them, <laughs> it just wants to get excited for a big video game Christmas that we no longer have. And, you know, E3 will come back and it won't be um, as good as it used to be. But mm. I just kind of want there to be something else in the summer alongside Summer Games Fest mm. that we have to look forward to and to write content around and to talk about, man, because it's, it mm. it's been so sporadic this year with when things have been dropped mm -hmm. and when reveals have happened. And that, to me, just isn't as good as it once was. I think as well, like, as much as Jeff Keighley has a very like pristine approach to rolling out trailers, and it's you know, it's like, like it's that whole thing where year to year we always compare, which is a nice rhyme, the uh, the way that he rolls things out in comparison to the sponsored segments that he has, or he has a guy dressed up as a giant Gillette blade walking around, or whatever the hell the thing is. Um, I kind of miss the theater of E3. I miss the big reveals. I miss the lights going off, and then something happening on stage, or when uh, Sean Layden came out and his shadow was Crash Bandicoot, yes. and then it was actually yeah. for the Skylanders DLC. It wasn't for Crash but we got there. Like, the idea of everyone reacting at once, you have a live audience, um, and playing into it a little bit. And it, there's obviously a lot of E3 cringe. There are tons of E3 cringe videos out there. But I think, like you said, we are missing something not having E3. Uh, but the thing is, I don't know if E3 slash, um, I think it's the ESA or the ASA who own them, get that. Because um, I think it was back in 2018 or 2019, they had all these plans for revamping E3. And it was all about making sure you had the companion app and you had all these uh, Q-tainment they were talking about so they could feed you stuff when you you were in the trailer, when you were in the queue. And it's not that. It's not this, like, hyper, you know, almost tech show thing. It should be nerdy and quirky and campy and gamey. Like, it's that's kind of what E3, its greatest strength always was. Mm -hmm. So I don't know how you get back to that, but that's what it needs, I think. I think all the publishers, whether it's 
their showcases at E3 or whether it's their own need to get that level of theatricality back. It mm. might not be fine. It might not make any financial sense to go as outlandish <laughs> as they used to in the modern age. But the things you mentioned there, Scott, you know, mm. Sean Layden coming out with the Crash Bandicoot, uh, Shadow, you know, I remember when they did that, Sony did their E3 conference in the kind of uh, town hall from mm. The Last of Us Part Two with yes. the lights. Mm. And Gustavo went, Santuela's playing the theme. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You had cool. like the live uh, music. You had like the fake zombies hanging from the ceiling yeah. when Days Gone was announced. And like they were nailing it for like, three or four years, just mm -hmm. year after year, of complementing great announcements with a great sense of spectacle mm -hmm. and a great sense of theater. And while obviously, you know, that doesn't contribute to the quality of the games, it's just fun to talk about. Yeah. It, yeah, it yeah. felt like appointment viewing, like you said, you know, we were all rallying around the same night, you know, looking forward to it. Like, like I said, mm. being able to do content about it and, you know, predictions and mm -hmm. get excited for it that way. And I, I get the argument that that might lead to inflated um, expectations and whatnot. Mm. But I, I think there's a way for expectations to remain in check while still, you know, having this celebratory, potentially uh, masturbatory uh, <laughs> marketing <laughs> session. Yeah. Yeah. What, what is weird is growing up and watching it, I adored watching them, but I always noticed that it caused a console war every single yeah, time. Oh yeah. Every yeah, yeah. year, it was just Xbox won, uh, whoever won. Mm -hmm. uh, but oh, there's always who won. Yeah, yeah, and that always just pained me. But like being an <laughs> Xbox One fan from 2013 to 16 or whatever, mm -hmm. those E3s were brutal. <laughs> like they, <laughs> like it just drained the fun of E3 out of me. Yeah, that's the thing. If one of these, any of these companies at this level should only be, only be signing up if they have things to show. Yeah. Like, I think yeah. we're, we're always hyper aware of, because it's that thing, you're sort of expecting the next trailer, you're expecting the next announcement, and if it doesn't come, and it doesn't come, and then immediately you start to fade out of it. The thing is, though, like, um, you know, you were mentioning, or we were mentioning the theater, the theater of it and announcements and everything. The God of War announcement, um, when Kratos walked out the shadow yeah. and you got to hear uh, Chris Judge again, I think those things, I like you know that's like a life memory like yeah. loads of my uh, reveals memories of games came from E3 or came from those showcases they've never come from a state of play I couldn't tell you a single Nintendo Direct reveal that stuck with me um, whereas I can remember Shigeru Miyamoto diving onto stage with a shield and a sword to pretend he was Link <laughs> for a bit, which like yeah. stuck with us for a while. So like I think there's probably a happy medium to find. Um, however, speaking specifically for Sony, you know we mentioned Layden and everything. Um, well, there's the Jack Tretton era or whatever. Jim Ryan's era, if we're talking like figureheads or who they would send out onto the stage, the Jim Ryan era of PlayStation is so cold. And it's so like, like it has a face kinder, but it's so businesslike. Whereas if you compare it to um, even uh, when Shuhei Yoshida and uh, Adam Boys were doing the like, this is how you trade games on PlayStation, and they just handed it to each other. It's quite playful. It had faces to it. There was the whole Kevin Butler era at the start of the 2010s. I just feel like they had a lot more to it. It bled over. You had personalities that bled over to the stage. The nearest thing to that now is what Phil Spencer's doing. Everyone loves Phil Spencer. Yeah. Um, you know, we sort of don't even talk about the business reality of him and how many sort of gone, he's gone back and forward on a lot of exclusivity stuff. Stuff yeah. in regards to what's happening with Bethesda, but I feel like there's a, a lot of ground to be gained in making sure that your companies have faces. Well, it's the same with Nintendo losing Reggie. Yeah. Like, he was Nintendo. They've got Doug Bowser, and they don't use him. What was the last thing you saw him do? Well, Doug Bowser? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I have no idea. Exactly. Like, yeah. just bring back Reggie. <laughs> um, but that is who you need. You need a personality as mm -hmm. the head of this of the companies. But yeah. As you say, Nintendo, who do they have? Sony, do they have a show? Jim Ryan that much. Well, no, not really. Yeah. yeah, but why would you want it when you've got a PlayStation blog or That's you've true, got yeah. an interview 
with Wired.com. Yeah. <laughs> no, that was silly of me to think that. That's the Mark Cerny approach, and we all love a, bl- a good blog. One of my favorite ever showcases on. was when Mark Sh- Mark Shoney, Mark Sony, <laughs> Mark Cerny was on stage for 40 minutes talking about, play, I think it was the PS. Oh my God, the tech specs of it. Pro, yeah. And we were just had like <laughs> a lecture that everyone thought was going to be like an E3 style presentation, yep. and it was the opposite of that. And was I that on the PS5 one? When they said more. They said like it's the first ever details showing on this date, and it was like it didn't have a big like announced thing, but it was Sony saying the details on the next console is this time, and we all tuned in. It was like thirty-seven thousand people in the first five minutes, and it was just Mark Sony going like, "Well, this chipset does this. And <laughs> we, we sold it this bit to this bit." Well, can you remember the reveal of the PS5 and the Series X, where it was just an advert that just went onto YouTube <laughs> one day? Like, there's no big console reveals anymore, are they? Not necessarily. I guess I remember the Series X reveal because it was part of the Video Game Awards, and it was so random yeah. that no, it's I said that right. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Um, and then, like, PS5 had its own little separate showcase thing, but yeah. it, but it's still, there are ways to do it, yeah. especially with a live crowd, yeah. Everything is just content, man. That's why, Kinda. you know, everything just drops out of nowhere. The Netflix model of, <laughs> you know, Sony announces the night before a state of play that mm. a state of play is happening. It's going to be 20 minutes, and you know everything that's going to be involved mm. because they say, you know, we're focusing on Japanese developers, or we're focusing on PS5, are too, but we're focusing on third parties or whatever, mm-hmm. and it's just kind of like it feels like we're in this era of almost micro content where we get the blog posts, we get the trailer that goes up, but we don't get anything really dedicated or personal that has that personal touch. How and much do you think that's them sort of saying like we don't need to do this stuff? Like oh, there was, yeah. there's always the brazen reality of um, public showcases being for the shareholders and being for the investors more than they are for the fans. Like yes, it can provide an update on how something's doing, but they're more for investors and like I said, and shareholders and the financial side of it. Here's an opinion: I don't mind the blog post. I actually quite enjoy them. <laughs> you know I was going to. I was just saying. Let's I, just talk about I blog I enjoy stuff. reading them because it's. I'm reading it myself. It's not the the thumbnail isn't a spoiler of the actual. Right. Okay. It, I read it at my own pace. Mm-hmm. I don't know what I mean by that, but I just. <laughs> I pref- I do like. I don't prefer them. I like okay. them. I will say that when the PlayStation VR two was announced via blog post at the start of the year. One of the most exciting things that's happened this year yeah. to me, and that yeah. had no like actual footage of the yeah. machine or what was coming out on it. Right. It was just them saying, it's happening, boys. Got one of those like, words yes. in it, which like got you. <laughs> and you're <laughs> like, whoa. Is it the 1830s when you just got <laughs> words? I don't know, it's visuals, mate. I wanna, I wanna know what's going on, but I think- Scott and I had a conversation this morning Here about uh, books versus like television and stuff. Mm, yeah. And we, we kind of nailed it down to Scott likes uh, things visualized and that's why- oh, Okay. That's not how, it's not like I came into work and just went books versus movies, guys. What, <laughs> what, what were we thinking? It was, uh, it was <laughs> in regards to The Last of Us. Um, and talking about the value of different adaptations. And for right. me, I was saying, if you're taking something that started as text, like if yeah. when Game of Thrones went from book to TV, yeah. there's more uh, interest there. There's more default interest there because you have to literally visualize something that was formerly, uh, you know, dependent on the medium, only in text form. Um, and so that was my whole thing with The Last of Us. You're going from cutscenes that are immaculately shot and acted to a live action version that is immaculately shot and acted. And that's just not as interesting as me, for me. But in your head, like you say, they're yes. reading a book, you're making up in your head what it looks like. With these blog posts, you're just like, ooh. In your head, if you've got a good imagination, that can be whatever you want it to be. They'll they'll never match that, though. They're never, ever going to nail that. Um, So what I'm getting from this, James, now, is that you want video games 
2B books. I think. Yes, yeah. Do you know that the was it the Oregon Trail or whatever that game was called uh-huh. from like the nineties? Yeah, like a text. Is that your favorite game. Sure. The graphics on that are incredible in I'm, your mind. I can imagine. Yeah. yeah. Have you played Disco Elysium? I think you might is like it. <laughs> James yeah. Dallas's version of the PSVR two is incredible. It works, <laughs> it works really well. It's just words. It's just no no bugs. Just the SVR. Just a big Kindle. Yeah. yeah. Just whatever you need. Yeah. Um, but yeah, which the best games console by the way? A which one? The Kindle. Yeah, Kindle. Paperwhite. You can play Stranger Things on it? You can do whatever you want, mate. <laughs> Get books and all that stuff. I'll say this. The light of a Kindle. Whatever shade of light that is gives me a headache. Therefore, oh, okay. it is bad. But they're good for reading in the sun. And, well, the sun is a... Na- what? Explain you this to me. Like, yeah, I go outside sometimes. Have you ever tried reading... Uh, I was going to say a book. It would help with the sun, wouldn't it? A phone, let's just yeah. say. Your phone. If you go outside, it's harder to read, isn't it? Yeah, but not a regular book because the light just bounces off the yeah, page. but that's what I'm saying. But in a world where <laughs> books are going out the window... <laughs> it's because you're throwing them out the window. <laughs> <laughs> Kindles, you know, you can... I don't know why I'm... Sa- I don't have a Kindle. I'm, I'm on Amazon's for the Kindle podcast. team. Kindle yeah. culture, coming your way. Yeah, screw it. End yeah. this podcast. Let's talk about Kindles, man. <laughs> no, we will talk about E3 stuff. Um, I think that we should talk about um, how early devs can actually show stuff. Because I forget if it was at a Nintendo Direct or an E3, but we got that Metro Prime logo, Metro Prime 4, <laughs> yes. uh, which has had no forward momentum whatsoever in almost five years. It's Wasn't been a while. 18, I think it was, or 17. Right, so yeah, yeah like four or five years. Yeah. Um, but yeah, what like I mentioned GTA 6 stuff earlier on. Um, I think the solution to a lot of this stuff, and actually you would show off a lot of early builds at E3, Mm-hmm. Um, providing there was actually something to show off at all. I remember when, there's two examples that I remember just being like, that's too early. Um, one was Criterion. They'd, it was the game they were going to make after Burnout, and it was a game where you could either be in cars or planes or bikes, and they showed off like a CG version of it with like a wireframe mesh thing for the part they hadn't finished yet. And it was like, that's what we're aiming for, guys. And then absolutely nothing whatsoever. <laughs> and then I think it was um, the original version of Mass Effect Andromeda, where um, it was way too early, and it was just talking heads. It was just like members of the dev team. Um, I think that's in the right direction, but I where you guys come down on like you know do you try and get a community on board with something from the earliest possible standpoint do you wait till there's a vertical slice like and, and also would you accept an e3 that was almost entirely vertical slice stuff i would um Same. for me the happy medium is i mean look one of the biggest um l's that i've taken in my professional career covering video games <laughs> is when fallout 4 happened yes. it was announced six months before it yeah. uh, released and I remember being on a video saying that this is the future of video games <laughs> and this is going to set a precedent that nobody is going to announce things five years in advance anymore. Oh, yeah. We're going to get a quick turnaround because it's far more exciting and you have far more to show. Obviously, that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. And then Bethesda, in fact, did an entire 180 and announced The Elder Scrolls Six mm. well before any With logo had yeah. even begun in that game. Yeah. Uh, however, in general, I don't mind games being announced early as long as... There's not a major gap between trailers or reveals. Mm. I don't like the Elder, Six, Elder Scrolls Six approach where we get a logo and you know it's not in production, so you know you're not going to get an update mm. and then you literally don't get an update for years and years. However, I don't mind the Death Stranding uh, approach mm. because that game's production was dragged out you know, for so long. That was revealed before Hideo Kojima had even decided on an engine that he was going to use for True. that game. Plus, we didn't even know what Death Stranding was exactly. until launch day, which yeah. is a, that's a risky thing to do. But exactly. the first video we did was, what exactly is this game? 100%. However, I loved it because he created a mystery around that game yeah. and we got reliable new trailers for that game at every major conference. It wasn't like it was announced with that great trailer and then we didn't see it until six months before it came out. Mm-hmm. It was, there's the first trailer. He's the second trailer. You know, digest that. He's the third trailer. He's the fourth trailer. And it was mm-hmm. new stuff every time. Mm-hmm. 
And I don't mind it if a game is teased over that long period, as long as we have new stuff to digest. Yeah, I think if you get it, like, that's the thing. It's, like, giving us enough stuff to talk about. Because, for me, I hate CG trailers with a passion. And I'm like, that would be a way to slot something into the beginning of development that lets people know what's coming up. But for me, it just gives us nothing. At least, like, a vertical slice or a mesh demo or whatever is something in a, in a direction. Um, a CG trailer, for me, can be entirely ob- ob- obtrusive or whatever, where it can be something that's not even close to what we're going for. Um, I don't know you guys come down on CG stuff, but I just, just uh, I don't think need the, it. the one in my head is always Dead Island. The trailer right, for yeah, that yeah, was yeah. like the best trailer ever made, but personally, I didn't enjoy the game. No, that um, trailer's always held up as like yeah. a massive deal. But at the same time, Dead Island 2, that was announced, what, six years ago? Yeah. And only this year was the first time I've seen it? I yes. think so. Yeah. Yes, yeah. that took forever. I said, yeah, kind of the same as the first one. It took forever to sort of get turned around. Yeah. Um, but yeah, in terms of um, E3 themselves, they have said that they'll be splitting the conference into two separate shows. So it'll be um, the business days, the press days. Uh, I think it's the same dates as before, June 13th to June 15th. Um, and then it's the public days after that. So they're trying to hybridize, I guess, the way that something like Gamescom approaches it, which ironically is what Keeley has managed to lock down. Like he does opening night live for Gamescom, um, which is a mix of opening night live as like his mini E3. And then you get the public stuff after that. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. This podcast is brought to you by Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it just makes hiring all in one place so easy because you just get unparalleled access to job seekers. Plus, listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash WCG. Just go to Indeed.com slash WCG right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash WCG. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Um, so I think maybe that's the future of these shows. You have like a, a, a public backbone to it, but you get the streaming shows out the way first. You freak everybody out. And then maybe you reveal that this thing is playable or whatever, as long as you're at the show. And then you've got to make sure you go there next year. I hope it happens so we can uh, go next year. You know, we were going selfishly. 
hope that it happens and people are there. So yeah. we Silent can, Hill, can't wait. We can try <laughs> to get there. Max Payne for you. No, ultimately, yeah, I do. I am excited for it to come back. I'm just aware that it's never going to be as packed as it once was with publisher support because mm. we have fractured the video game marketing um, side Beast. of the industry beast uh, so much over the past two or three years, uh, especially in its own Nintendo's fault by starting those great <laughs> Nintendo directs. Well, that was that was my um, final thing on E3 stuff. It's just like a brazen question. It's like, does E3 need to exist? Like, no. No, but I want it to. <laughs> and I want them to realize what they have. Here's a weird question. Have they ever, in your head, mm. ever sold it as something like you can imagine you going to? Oh, oh I, yeah, I grew up idolizing E3. Like, right, I, okay. I think that's changed um, over the last... Well, it depends. I think that's changed over the last few years, specifically the last few years, because it just felt like not as many big scoops were happening at E3. However, the God of War thing, I think that was 2017's E3. Um, that was a huge thing. And every time something like that happens, I'm like, oh my God, I'd love to imagine being in the crowd for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or imagine being in the crowd for X new piece of tech or whatever it is. Um, I always th- feel like E3 is like the mecca of all those announcement places. And I always wanted to go there. I grew up wishing to go to E3. Right. Well, you had to do that, yeah. Um, but like Josh said, if I was looking forward to that now, I, it's not It's not the same anymore. Would you travel to another country to do that? I think it depends who's going to be there. I think if it's uh, too many months ahead where the likes of Sony are saying we're not going to be there, already that's a massive blow to the potential of what E3 could be. And um, Whereas all those previous years, I forget what the first year was they pulled out, maybe 2016, um, something like that. There was uh, so many years where everyone was there. And I remember um, even when Sony pulled out, Phil Spencer was the one saying that, you know, these events are important to the industry. That's why they'll always be there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's kind of in the, the run up to it. Um, and if they can, if they can get everyone on board, it'll be a massive deal if they confirm Sony are back. Because well, clearly Sony don't think they need to be there. Echo some of what you said there, Scott, mm. because I've never felt, right, I've never felt excitement quite like when England scores a goal in a World <laughs> Cup or European uh, fi- uh, tournament, right? When, yes. when they score a goal... And you're in a pub with a bunch of other, you know, fans of the team, and you just feel euphoric, right? It's great. Mm-hmm. I want that feeling in video games. Right. I want to be in the room when a, when something <laughs> great is announced, yeah, yeah. and it for it to feel like England have just scored in the European final or something. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the, the reason that everyone freaks out, or sorry, the reason everyone gets so caught up in, oh my God, it could be X thing for every single event, whether it's a Nintendo Direct or an Xbox stream or whatever, comes from E3. It comes from the E3 surprises. And it's like, that's what E3 needs to deliver. If they had one good show where they actually get to pay the relevant parties and reveal remakes or re-releases or whatever of various like dream projects, immediately E3's back because they already have that crown waiting for them. Um, and it's just kind of been mildly given off to Keely or Nintendo or whatever. Like, yeah. you know, they have they have a way to make things back. What is funny is, can you remember a couple of weeks ago when it was a Nintendo Direct mm. and we did the podcast just before it was mm-hmm. about to happen and then you missed it because it turns <laughs> yeah. out it was, and then you come back into the room and said, oh, it's happening now and you just went, oh, fair enough. <laughs> like, yeah. you, there is no feeling of you're going to miss out because you can no, just, you just catch it. up later. Yeah. yeah, which like, I, I guess catch up stuff is good but I think that, like, yeah, you try and capitalize on the live action, yeah. sorry, the live event side of it and it's just like, you can't miss this. Like, we used to, we used to try watch yeah. watching E3 live um, and yeah, me and Jules used to, we streamed it one year. Whenever they did Fallout Battle Royale, I remember that at 3 a.m. <laughs> thinking, why am I awake at 3 a.m. for Fallout Battle Royale? Um, anyway, next piece of news, and we'll get back to E3 stuff as more details come out about it. But the next thing I want to talk about is Netflix making their first internal game studio. And what do we think about, do we even trust Netflix to be able to target the right types of games? Um, they've put a press announcement out saying that they want to make engaging original games. Um, and Polygon's write-up also stated, uh, or reminded me rather, that um, they do own uh, the Oxenfree devs. Um, and you 
you can play various games already on the Netflix app, including the Stranger Things 3 game, uh, Before Your Eyes, and uh, this year's Immortality by Sam Barlow is also being added later this year. So they're kind of making like a nice little package of titles. I feel like it's um, like similar to, they're almost like the A24 of games kind of thing, if you can kind of chase it down that direction. Um, or Annapurna's titles have been very similar. Um, thoughts, Are they chat? all mobile games? Are they only on the app? Yes, so you need the, the Netflix app, app. yeah, oh, okay. yeah. Um, I mean, some of these, um, Stranger Things, uh, the three, Stranger Things 3, the game, was on iOS and Android anyway. Yeah. And then, uh, as far as I know, it's been delisted, but it is available on the Netflix app. So do you know if, like, let's just say the Netflix app on a PlayStation, for example, are mm. they going to want to put games in that? You would kind of hope so, but I think that clashes with whatever other licensing deals they've got for the PlayStation Store and or Nintendo or Xbox or whatever, because they haven't done that yet. Um, I think initially the idea was that Netflix games would be streamable, and that was, I remember that being a conversation a few years ago, um, but now it's just like there are they are separate executables inside the Netflix app, away from the streaming stuff, because right, I guess okay. that's way more reliable than streaming something. So if too. they're getting big budget games, mm. and they're going to be limited to a mobile... Well, that's the thing. Assumedly, yeah. this new studio will be making big, big games or whatever. They haven't really, con- they haven't clarified much else other than just they want to strive for original stuff. But it's, I guess, that's what we. What do you think Netflix will go for? Like, because Amazon just tried to do well, a big old MMO thing. Yeah, I mean, yeah. listen, like the the games that they've put on that service and mm-hmm. they're putting on that service outside of this internal studio that they've just formed, mm-hmm. I think are like really good picks for what Netflix is. Like, yep. Immortality is kind of like the perfect game yeah. for that service. You know, Before Your Eyes is great, Oxenfree. I don't know much about that, to be fair, so mm-hmm. that might be an anomaly, but the rest fit my hypothesis. Still very, like, very cinematic or very uh, dialogue-driven, very character-driven, yes. yeah. There, there, there we go. However, when it comes to these non-video game companies, these big non-video game companies getting into the video game space, I will never trust them or care. Because <laughs> Google tried it with Google Stadia, and then decided to shut down all of their first-party studios. Mm. We've got Amazon, who have been, you know, threatening to get in on the game for years now, mm-hmm. and I don't trust them at all. Either Amazon have tried, yeah, yeah, but yeah. not very well. No, not very well at all. And it's kind of like even if someone like Disney mm. can't even crack the video game sphere and eventually have to just resort to licensing their characters out to people who actually know how to make games, <laughs> I do not have any faith that Netflix, who is which is making a bunch of terrible business decisions this year and hemorrhaging money. I do not trust them to, you know, make something good. But hey, I it's would true. like to be proved wrong. I remember when Disney used to make games, when their logo used to be in front of stuff like The Lion King or yeah. whatever. And it's like, I don't think... I, the thing is, if they got the scale of production right, where, for example, Netflix, like, you know, they have that whole... They are, they are known for canning shows after, like, two seasons. It's a miracle if you get a season three. Uh, which is very obviously happened to Stranger Things, happened to Daredevil, but it's very few and far between. And so I wonder how much them coming across from all their like TV mandates and all their business deals and all their ways of operating and just trying to transplant that onto a game production cycle. You know, you know what it reminds me of? Mm-hmm. The exact inverse of when it was 2013 and the Xbox One had just been announced mm-hmm. and Microsoft was saying, we want to make TV shows. And it was kind of like, but if I wanted to watch a TV show, I would go to any, any yeah, yeah. literally anywhere else mm-hmm. to watch a good TV show. It kind of reminds me of that where mm-hmm. they want to expand the brand beyond just movies and TV and try to get in a more multimedia crowd, but... Like, why would you Why would you go to Netflix but, for a game? Exactly, but yeah. why would you go to there for that specific thing? It's I think it's a classic case of companies trying to appeal to everyone mm. and then 
potentially appealing to nobody at the I end. I feel like they'd be better off uh, licensing the Netflix name and some of their uh, budget or whatever to the likes of Supermassive. Like the next, whatever, they, I know they're doing a whole uh, series of games going forward, I think with Tencent, but um, I feel like, you know, Netflix's name would could get them a series of actors who maybe made their name in Netflix shows. Um, but like, I just, yeah, like you said, you wouldn't go to Netflix as a game dev. Like if you see their logo in front of something, mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's very much an upward trajectory. I'm curious though, I mean, I think something like Stranger Things is yet to be, well, it is yet to be capitalized on there's a there's one very pixely stranger things game um which you know originated obviously the show original on netflix and everything but it's like if there was a squid game game that's pretty much full guys like that stuff could have worked very well that's true yeah. like there's, true. there's a way to do yeah, it so they should just do brandon deals more potentially yeah oh you do a netflix full guys oh, oh, speaking yeah. of Fortnite, there he is. um <laughs> love that because the stranger things uh whatever he's not the xenomorph I can't remember what the Stranger Things creature is called. Oh, the first one's called the thing with the... Demogorgon. Yeah, with the bit that, yeah, with the eyes and that the was hands it. and I'm that. Saying that was in Fortnite and Fall Guys. I think yes. I might be wrong about Fall Guys. Mm. Um, but yeah, why don't they just license their stuff off more? Yeah, and they build it that way. I guess I'm curious what sort of thing they aim for. Like Josh said, the uh, the titles that they've picked, uh, Before Your Eyes is a very, very unique game where I think you, the passage of time is every time you blink yeah. and different things happen. Which is going to be interesting. I don't know how that mechanic would translate over to I suppose your phone has a mm. camera I guess it would work that way that makes sense mm-hmm, that would yeah. be applicable and it's a very like you said Scott a story driven character driven game mm-hmm. so it fits with you know the kind of content that Netflix likes to produce I just kind of had a thought right there because I love James Dows is talking about licensing out their properties mm-hmm. and you mentioned Squid Game yes what if they did Squid Game but it was made uh-huh. by the people who made Doritos Crash Course oh <laughs> I think that's a million dollar idea. All you need to know is mesh your fingers together. That's the that's the <laughs> perfect that. thing That'd be great, man. to it do. It would be, man, wouldn't yeah. it? I'm wasted here. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> that's what I was thinking about, um, the scale of production. I feel like they would have a nice inroad to like, yeah, I'll try that. If they got the level of production right, if they uh-huh. didn't go overboard and start trying to make AAA stuff that can compete with Sony, I think that their inroad is indie-style stuff like this, but with fun gameplay ideas that tie into whatever um, game is doing the rounds at the time. Because we don't really get tie-in games with movies anymore of any particular quality. Whereas I feel like Netflix has, you know, a, a way of having a gaming division or a, a gaming developer that literally works alongside the team, like the TV team, the film team, yeah. um, and makes something to release alongside it. This just kind of reminds me of the time when Netflix was going to go all in on interactive movies and storytelling, mm. and we got, you know, Black Mirror, Bandersnatch, Bandersnatch. Yeah. Monster, handful of few other projects, uh, Defrosting Mints, uh, <laughs> well, alongside a few other. Projects that kind of yeah. use the same gimmick, <laughs> yes. but it was one of those, you know, business moves that sounded cool on paper mm-hmm. that they were going to invest so much in, and now it's kind of like a novelty that people only remember for very niche quotes yeah. to quote on podcasts. That's a very, very good point. I feel like, they, yeah, I forgot about Bandersnatch and that whole push into like, what if you could push an arrow on the screen to do yeah. stuff? So it could turn into those old, like, Sky games. Can we on Sky TV? That's yeah. what I was thinking, that's man. Beehive Bedlam, bring it back, there mate. You yeah, yeah, That's what it could turn into. Ah, I'd love Beehive Bedlam. But, um, Why would you want to innovate on perfection? Like, Sky already <laughs> nailed it 20 years ago. <laughs> Why has like, Sky not got a Sky, like, package thing, like a bundle? Where I can play, what's that uh, one we play as a little ship and you rotate when you go underwater? Oh, I don't know. That one was really good. We did a list on games everyone played but no one remembers or no one talks about, and it was in there alongside. Who made those Island. games? Was I it, don't know. Did I, they I, have a gaming division, Sky? An angel? No, I don't think so. Just uh, well, there you go. I know. There's a whole wing of stuff that get could those bring back. people to work on Netflix's gaming division. Yep, yep, yep. yep. I would love that. And um, final news thing <laughs> to go into the final thing is that the From Software job listing on their own Japanese website has mentioned that candidates will be in charge of a wide range of designs relating to characters and mecha 
Mecha meaning, assumedly, that they are actually going to be doing an armored core game. And um, later in the um, the post, it says that those who are good at mechanical design are also welcome. I just want to use this as a way to talk about what do we want from from software next? Because um, their games, the um, the armored core series, is like a very different to Dark Souls. I guess you can see the through line. But do you want a, a mech focused game from from software after this? Am I right in saying that the last armored core game was that the one with the connect where you had to do all that? That was Steel Battalion. Oh well. <laughs> <laughs> that. <laughs> was it Armored Core 5 the last one? Uh, oh, I'm not an Armored Core fan, so right. I'm not sure. The first one was 97, I think? Yes. Yeah. I think 5 was the last one I right. played, because it, this was a, a, a game series that, to me, sustained itself uh, entirely by 2012 being... 2012 for Armored Core 5. There we go. Yeah, it sustained itself entirely by being associated to my cousin, who I thought was the coolest dude around. <laughs> so anything he played, I thought was excellent. Right. But then I went and played Armored Core on my own and mm-hmm. realized it sucked and he had bad taste. Right. So now I am not interested in Armored Core at all, especially when we've seen From Software change and evolve so much in the same way that I wouldn't want them to go back to like Kingsfield or whatever, you know? Yeah, that's the thing is, I feel like the Kingsfield name gets talked about quite a lot just because everyone goes, oh my God, the Dark Souls formula. And then there's always someone saying, it's actually Demon Souls and actually it's actually Kingsfield. And I'm like, I feel like that kind of has an inroad. Whereas I don't really feel like anyone talks about Armored Core. Like, you know, maybe an inroad, might just be, it might be a Western thing. Let like me ask you guys on. this. I clearly don't even know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> I... I'm going to say that mechs are not cool, and oh. I don't like playing any game where I have to be in a mech, even Titanfall. I was going to oh. say, Titanfall I, 2? It's good. How dare you? It's the exception to the rule, it and I, I will only get in that mech through gritted teeth, <laughs> is right, okay. my opinion on the entire subgenre. I didn't like Zone of the Enders that much because of this oh, reason. God. Has it, the game done mechs right in your head? Well... Armored Core was all right. What was it about Armored Core that? I will show you photos. And Josh Brown, what did you like about playing Armored Core? I loved the customization options because obviously you could make your own mech. And that was the cool uh, feature of it for mm-hmm. me. Like mm-hmm. you had so many different interchangeable parts that you could swap in, swap out. You could really tailor the mech's play style and its visual kind of um, characteristics mm-hmm. in that I, I enjoyed customizing the mech more than I enjoyed actually being in it. So right. if they bring that part of it back, that would be really cool. Because I feel like the trajectory that they're on, like obviously Alo Soul series and then Bloodborne and everything, and then Sekiro is like, what if we had a jump button? And Elden Ring, what if we had an open world? And I'm just like, you were going in such a specific trajectory that I wonder how that then comes back across into a mech series. Like, because then it, all of a sudden it would be way more uh, lead and then it would be way more weighty and it would be more about like um, armaments and ordnance and everything. And I just don't know if like that's the thing you do. But at the same time, you know, anyone who who's a From Software fan for long enough, mentions Armored Core. Like, it occasionally does come up, even though I don't think it is in regular conversation. But I think as something to pivot into, you almost might as well. It's kind of, like, incredibly niche as well. You know, Mm. it's... I don't know how well it would sell. Obviously, the From Software name is going to give it a huge boost. But Mm. I don't know. With 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 a team like theirs and with so many other franchises that they could dip back into, Mm. uh, I think they're great at knowing when to kind of call time on a franchise. Like, even Mm. Dark Souls, you had three games and even then you kind of could tell that they were sick of the story because <laughs> Dark Souls 3 is kind of about, you know... 3 is like a victory lap of Souls yeah, 1 or whatever. Anyway. totally. It's a victory lap, and it's about how 
things have to end and you can't just be repeating the same ideas and bosses over and over again. Very true. I uh, think um, that's the thing. That I forget where the rumor was that someone was interviewing, I'm not sure if it was Hidetaka Miyazaki from, from Soft, and they said their next game is almost finished already anyway. So it's like, is that the Brandon Sanderson game? Like there's something else, there's this assumption that they were going to start working with notable writers of the fantasy persuasion and do at least another Elden Ring and then maybe move on to the next thing. Maybe by that point we'll be all we'll be up for a, a blasty game. Maybe. I mean, yeah, if they can keep like the, the, the turnaround going because they make these games incredibly fast, man. Like, oh, yeah. Elden Ring took a little bit of time after Sekiro, but obviously it was huge. Mm. But if you look at the release from... Dark Souls 1 to Bloodborne to Dark Souls 2 to Dark Souls 3 to Sekiro to, you know... I'll take once every year? Ring. Two years? Every year, every two years? Yeah, yeah it's, it's incredibly rapid. So, mm-hmm. you know, maybe they drop an armored core and then the year after drop, you know, the successor to Elden Ring or something. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. you never know with them, is the thing. Yeah. What about DLCs and stuff for Elden Ring? Ooh. We can but hope. I really hope. I, yeah. it, doesn't make, it, makes, it doesn't make sense to not do it. Every Dark Souls game's had one. Everything's had one, right? Like, except, except Sekiro. Sekiro had one, but it was like, it wasn't a story-based DLC. Uh, it was like challenge-based things. But even then, it still had something. Yes, it know? did have something. Yeah, uh, I feel like it has to As have somebody something. who's only played Dark Souls 1 and Elden Ring, how do they do DLC? Like, how would you imagine with Elden Ring? Would a new island spawn, and then yes. you're on that island? Is that how it would go? They they do DLC incredibly well, James yep, Dowd, right. and I would recommend all of them. Like, the Dark Souls 2 DLC in particular is so imaginative mm-hmm. and expands upon the base game. Like, even if you didn't like the base game for Dark Souls mm-hmm. 2, I think you probably would like the DLC for Dark Souls right. 2. It's that good, especially taken as a whole. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, they usually kind of spin off either a continuation of the story in a in a new location with, like, new enemies and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like a, a sort of... It's, it is an expansion, as much as it is a DLC. It's, like, its own kind of, like, game. There'll be some way to, like, like a portal. Like, in Dark Souls yeah. 1, it was there was a painting that you went through. Yeah, I forget yeah. what, how you trigger it in Dark Souls 2 and everything. But, yeah, there's nearly always some other really expansive landmass where it's like, oh, my God, you guys just made more of the game. Like, yeah. it doesn't feel necessarily like a tacked-on thing. It feels like a genuine expansion. I did stuff. the DLC for 1, but um, mm. that was a time when I was about to face the final DLC boss, that uh-huh. really, really hard one, which is in the depths. I can't remember that in one. In Elden called. Ring or in Dark Souls? In Dark Souls oh, 1. Oh, Manus. Uh, Manus, yes. yes. Right. So what I did is I was just like, what I'll do is I'll just do a new game plus just to like build up my level and I'll... I didn't realize that it just resets everything. <laughs> I couldn't even go back to that area. So I just deleted the game. That's, yeah, yeah. save yourself fair. some I just, of the pain. The only boss I didn't do in one, in that sort of one, was that Manus. I respect that. Yeah. I think that's completely fair. Yeah. Um, but yes, yeah, so we'll keep an eye on all these things and we'll see whatever comes from From Software next. I think my gut says it'll be Elden Ring. I feel like they'll either be the DLC or they'll just capitalize on what an insane success they just had by partnering with George Martin and by either doing something with him again or I hope the Brandon Sanderson stuff is real because that dude seems to be very popular with the fantasy folk. And um, for now, though, this has been the What, what, what Culture know. Gaming Podcast. I've been your host, Scott Tilford, joined by James Dowell. <laughs> and Josh Brown. <laughs> and we'll catch you next week. Bye. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.